0: good morning and blessed advent today is friday december 15th and you're listening to thy strong word where each weekday morning we explore the holy scriptures through which god bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith i'm your host pastor phil boo of saint john lutheran church here in laverne minnesota well here we are at the end of our first week of counting down to christmas There are only nine days till Christmas Eve, and this morning we're flipping the page in our Lutheran service books to Hymn 365. That's Away in a Manger. Now, the history behind this hymn is muddled. Some mistakenly believed it was written by Martin Luther, but most historians attribute it to German Lutherans in Pennsylvania around 1885. Well, in this episode, we'll explore what we know about this simple, poignant hymn and hold up what it teaches against the scriptures. Well, before we do that, allow me to thank the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, whose generous contribution helps to bring you this very program. They also help bring the true message of Christmas around the world through their translating and publishing work. And you can learn more about all the things that they do through their website, which is lhfmissions.org. Well, it's Friday and we're live this morning, so feel free to call in with your comments or questions. That number is 800-730-2727. You can also email them to me at PastorBoo at gmail.com, or you can send me a Facebook message. I'll try to get your question or comment on in the air. And today, if you've been listening, it's the day we're giving away that two-volume set of Eternal Anthems, the story behind your favorite hymns, published by Concordia Publishing House. Now, one of our listeners, thanks to our friends at CPH, will get one of these free of charge. Actually, they'll get the whole set. And if you'd like to win a copy, it's very easy. After the break, I'll tell you to call in now, and that's your signal to call this number. You ready for it? Write it down. It's the number I've been giving you, 800-730-2727. So after the break, once I say call in now, call in, and you'll be speaking to one of our fabulous producers here, and the first person to call in and let us know their favorite Christmas hymn takes it. It's as easy as that. Well, without any further delay though, let's welcome our guest to talk about a way in a manger, and today I'm pleased to welcome back to the show the Reverend David Boysclair, pastor of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Churches, both in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Good morning, Pastor Boysclair, welcome back to the show.
1: Good morning and a blessed Advent to all.
0: Yes, it is a uh, great Advent. I, boy, I, I things have Started to pick up a little bit for me. Uh, how how is Advent and Christmas uh, Christmas tide, I suppose. How's all this going for you over there in uh, Pine Lawn?
1: Well, I just wanted to say that I I've been translated to as to senior pastor of uh, uh, our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Overland, and uh, boy oh boy, it's a hundred times more work. <laughs>
0: Now, I feel bad because I feel like you've told us this before, and I still am giving—I'm still putting you in, the, in your former place. I apologize. You are in—tell uh, me again. You're the senior pastor where?
1: At um, Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Overland, Missouri.
0: All right. That, was, that quiet was me typing it down. So there we go. A senior pastor at Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Overland. Well, how is Advent and Christmas there?
1: Oh, exciting and busy. And, and uh, we've got a lot of, we, we have a congregation that really loves music. And uh, so we do like to sing all of these wonderful Christmas uh, hymns and, and, and canticles and, and, um, and any, any type of uh, rejoicing for the Lord.
0: Absolutely. Well, I've been asking all of my guests. I'll ask you, too. Do you have any favorite Christmas or Advent hymns? You know, some that just really speak to you or that you really enjoyed or maybe are a little bit. uh, Oh, I don't know. um, It just kind of makes you remember the old days. I don't know why we might have a favorite, but do you have any?
1: Yeah, I uh, for uh, Advent on Jordan's Bank, the Baptist cry. I like that. It's mm-hmm. uh, uh poor nobis nascitur or something in the, the, the tune. And then there's uh, the Christmas. My favorite Christmas hymn, of course, is O Come All Ye Faithful, oh, uh, yeah. which uh, I, I enjoy singing as the as the processional on Christmas Day.
0: Oh, okay. That's nice. That's nice. Well, uh, I actually use Joy to the World on Christmas Day, which we're going to talk about, uh, I guess, next Friday in a week. But it's kind of interesting because be sure to tune in for more. But yeah, it's not really a Christmas hymn, (laughs) but it's sort of made itself to be a Christmas hymn. Today's hymn, though, Away in a Manger, there's no way that you can mistake it for being a Christmas hymn because it certainly is thoroughly. But it has an interesting backstory. Before we get into any of that though, let's go ahead and start our time off together in prayer and then we'll dive into the history or the story behind A Way in a Manger.
1: Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we worship you as the babe of Bethlehem, the one who has come forth from Bethlehem Ephrata, the birthplace of your ancestor, David the King, to be the ruler of your people, and the ruler of all the earth and the universe. The sign given that you would be discovered as a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger causes us to marvel at what you were doing at the time. From your manger bed you ruled the cosmic deep and all the universe as true God and true man, How wonderful it is that you are consubstantial of one substance with the Father and the Holy Spirit, as well as of one substance with all of us, every human being. How gracious and loving toward us you are. We celebrate your birth as the only hope of the world and humankind, only hope of salvation. From your lowly manger, hear us, Lord Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, you know, we've been doing something a little different than just getting into the scriptures, so it's required a little bit of extra investigation. I'm interested to find out what you've discovered about the history, the origin, the story behind Away in a Manger. What did you find out, brother?
1: Well, um, and and, uh, by the um, reference, of course, to that wonderful set that – some blessed person will receive uh, is is very good, but we also have the new companion to the hymns uh two large fat tomes and uh, on on a way in the manger they've got they've got a lot of information showing that it first appeared to the world in eighteen eighty four uh, in uh, the um uh Myrtle or published by the universalist publishing house may third eighteen eighty four uh, Luther's cradle song, and and um, it uh, basically, I, I think, as you mentioned at the beginning of the of the uh, program, that uh, you know it was considered to be Martin Luther's hymn. And what I think is, of course, that I'm I'm just putting together things from my own mind. Is that they were thinking of from heaven above to earth I come, where where there is even a in in stanza fourteen a mention of the cradle song. And so um, some 19th century uh, Christian uh, wanting to uh, make a beautiful Christmas lullaby wrote Away in a Manger.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a, you know, I wonder if that pseudepigrapha hadn't happened, right? If it hadn't been attributed to Luther, if it would have been, I don't know, as, as well known. Because from what I read, you know, it was... Really popular, first being published around the time you said uh, and attributed to German Lutherans in Pennsylvania. So, you know, Lutherans pick it up. Some guy in the 19th century says, oh, must be Luther's cradle hymn. I think your explanation is as good as any. But I wonder if it got traction because of its association with Luther, because it's a very simplistic hymn. It's not as deep in its theology as some of them that we've been studying. Uh, But but yeah, it kind of reminds me of the table prayer. You know, people attribute it to to all kinds of different reformers and different people in their traditions. And I don't know that we really know where it comes from.
1: That's exactly right. And and uh, I think I I do believe that it got more traction that way by being said to be uh, written by Martin Luther. I have like um, we sometimes have little carol books uh, from Christmas that are printed. And 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 I was curious who wrote this. And then uh, oh Martin Luther, I said, no way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know when you're if you're if you're uh if you study uh for the pastoral ministry you learn a little more about luther and there's no place where we find uh, a way in a manger and then the thing was is it was translated into german in 1934 and uh, it, it it shows by the, the the if you compare the English text to the German text, the German text is a little bit awkward, uh, you know, because it's trying to translate uh, the right. uh, English text. So it, so it's obviously the German is a translation.
0: Yeah, because obviously, if it had been original German, it would make more sense in German. But, you know, I, I also read that there was only a couple of verses published way back in Philadelphia in 84, 85. Uh, and then a third verse was added in the early 1900s, I guess, for a children's program by John T. McFarland. Uh, just some stuff I dug up. Anything else about its history that people might be interested in?
1: Well, the the uh, particular uh, magazine where it appeared was a, a temperance magazine, uh, the um, – it, it, there was a, a lady who was a uh, minister of the probably the Universalist uh, Church, like Unitarian Universalist, and but she was very much into um, temperance and no, not no one drinking alcoholic beverages. And there's a, like right near uh, where that uh, uh, away in the manger is printed, she has a pledge: I make no wine to take, nor brandy red that turns the head, and <laughs> <laughs> stuff like oh, that. Oh wow! So. <laughs> And not uh, one, uh, well, that's, the,
0: that's not a stanza you're going to find in the Lutheran hymnals,
1: I imagine. <laughs> I, I don't imagine that you will. I, it was the um, uh, Charles Gabriel uh, is considered the author of the third stanza, which was put in uh, from Gabriel's Vineyard Songs oh. for Sunday Schools, Praise Meetings, Home Circle and All Occasions of Church Service in 1892. Hmm. And um and so that's that he that he composed it. But but he said that it was from uh, written by Martin Luther. See, so <laughs> again, the pseudep- <laughs> pseudepigrapha there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know, and it's funny because I've, I, I see a couple different conflicting stories. And that's what happens with these hymns that just organically become popular. You know, we think today of something going viral on the Internet and it goes pretty quick and it it goes viral quick and it usually burns out quick. But things going viral over the course of 100 years, 200 years, uh, obviously goes a lot slower, but it still has some of those same things. You don't really know for certain all the history behind it. It gets attributed to other people who aren't exactly the people who were involved, uh, but it doesn't really make it any less a benefit to our Christmas season. You know, we, it, it was popular because of the message, not necessarily because of who wrote it or why or anything like that. But, yeah, there's this widespread belief that Luther's writing this carol, singing it to his children each night before bed. That that sounds nice. And it might even sell him books, but it probably – well, actually, we're very certain that it's not true. Um, It has a couple different tunes I've found. We have the the tune that we know about here in America. The sources I have say it's composed by James R. Murray – american songwriter maybe you find something else but in the united kingdom it's sung to a different melody known as the cradle song which was composed by william kirkpatrick now that's the information i have but again it's so sketchy out there did you find anything else about the tune
1: Oh yeah, no. That what you're what you're saying is exactly right, and and I, I think I read somewhere that it ha- it has a hundred and fifty tunes that it could be sung to. If you look oh. on YouTube, uh, you can find seven tunes. There's a gentleman at a piano on YouTube, and uh, seven seven tunes for Away in a Manger, and and uh, you know on the uh, the first time that the text appeared, which was in that that magazine Myrtle. Uh, it, it, it said it could be played to home sweet home. Oh, okay. Well, I, I tell away you. in a manger. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you know, there's a lot of hymns like that and, and yeah, the meter will match different tunes. And this is, I would say a children's tune, wouldn't you say? I mean, it, it's in terms of its simplicity, it's easy to understand what's going on. But I also, as I think, as we go through it, we're going to find that because it's not super deep in, you know, expositional theology, it, it might be a little hard for us to find exactly places in the Bible to connect it to, besides just Luke 2 in general.
1: Oh, yeah. But, but believe me, there are some. Excellent. And I can't wait to
0: hear them. Anything else about the history before we move right into the hymn itself?
1: Well it, it it's rather interesting that it didn't appear in our the Lutheran hymnal uh, you know some 80 years ago when that came out in 1941 but um uh, then it came out in in what was known as the Children's Hymnal which came out probably in the 50s I remember that and in fact in that particular uh songbook it was there they they provided 3 uh, tunes, uh, of course, the the one that we're most familiar with, uh, which was called Miller uh, by Murray, as you as you mentioned, uh, and then and then the one by Kirkpatrick, and and then there was and then one very uh, similar to that, Go Sweet Afton or something. So and then then of course it came into Lutheran worship in 1982, and then we have it uh, right uh, in in the Christmas section in Lutheran service book.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we go ahead and read the first uh, passage, the first stanza of this hymn, and start breaking it down. I'm going to read uh, from the Lutheran service book, uh, stanza one. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed, the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay, the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. Uh, very peaceful looking. Uh, take us through this, brother.
1: Yeah, well, the word manger, for instance. Uh, that's, that's a very, very interesting word. Uh, if you, if you were to be a little more crass, you would call it a feed box. Manger, of course, is, is the exact French word for to eat, manger. And, um, uh, like I say, uh, you could call it a, a feeding trough or a feed box. Uh, in the original Greek, it's ne. And a uh, and in German, of course, it's Krippe, Or if they want to make it real uh, tender and and baby like, they call it Krippelein, uh, little little manger, little little feed box. But then the Latin has the most dignified uh, term for that word as Precipio, as Christ yatentem in presepio, lying in a manger, and and uh, uh, that's you know. So so anyway, it kind of pictures us to, to the uh manger and and I like the uh familiar song from Christmas time about the friendly beasts I said the cow all, all white and red I gave him my manger for his bed I gave him my hay to pillow his head I said the cow all white and red
0: hmm. Well you know this this imagery of Christ coming and the whole manger in general which I just think is Fascinating. And I've mentioned it already on the program where, you know, here we have the bread of life, Jesus coming into the, the house of bread, Bethlehem being born in a manger from which animals eat. I, I mean, it's just, it's just amazing how, how God is connecting these themes across, across time and space. And they really, they mean a lot. So when we say away in a manger, yeah, it's more than just. Oh yeah, I remember that story where they didn't have any place at the at the house, there was no guest room available. No, it's 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 we're looking at not just the specifics around Christ's birth, but what they really pointed forward to, that we are going to be fed from this this child who's coming into the world. Um so yeah, and this idea that he comes in and he goes to this lowly estate doesn't even have a crib. I, I think that's sort of the sentimentality behind it. <laughs>
1: Oh absolutely and 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 Luke when is emphasizing uh, by by recalling all of this through and and of course his source was the Virgin Mary herself uh, who kept all these things and pondered them in her heart uh, he uh, was trying to present uh, wanted to make a, a big case for Christ as the universal savior there he is the savior not only for the the very rich and wealthy but also for the poorest of the poor and he comes and Our our God comes into the world in such a humble way. I don't think any of us were, when we were born, were put into a manger, though some of us might have been.
0: Yeah, you never know. But, you know, it's like when we look at that, when we think about all that Christ has done for us, you know, it's important, this universality of of who he is. Like it's not, you, you mentioned, it's not just the wealthy and the rich. And in today's environment, we might think of, And in fact, I think we've been cultivated to think of the wealthy and the rich as the bad guys, right? You have uh, 80s sort of all the corporate villains in the movies. And, you know, we come into this time and all rich people are are perceived as being greedy. And we all know that that's not the case. But anyway, during this time when Christ was born, it was kind of the opposite. I mean, people certainly didn't like the rich, but they saw them oftentimes as being blessed by God. So for, the, for God to send someone to someone who is not wealthy or, or blessed with all these riches and power really is a scandal. You know, it's a, it's a scandal, and I think the scandal has been lost. Nowadays we think, well, of course he wouldn't go to those evil rich people. But back then it was a scandal for him not to be born in the halls of kings but rather to be born in a manger.
1: Well yeah, and I, I do believe that uh that people that wrote history or, or had an eye to that, uh, would would expect that God would uh come into the world, you know, when he was incarnate in the person of our precious Savior, that, that he would be able to do a lot more if he was if he had the resources of wealth. Uh, you know, the gospel of Judas, which I call uh the um Jesus Christ superstar uh, has uh, Judas saying, why did you come to such a backward time in such a strange land? And, you know, I might have said, well, why didn't you go and choose uh, Caesar's palace in Rome in order to be born in? And, you know, I mean, you could have done so much more with the mass communication that, that's involved with that. But uh, our precious Lord comes in, in such a, a humble and lowly way to, to save us.
0: The second half of that stanza, the stars in the sky look down where he lay, the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. So we don't think of stars looking down on us. Uh, Is this poetic? Do you think there's some deeper meaning? What do we have?
1: Well, obviously, it, it refers to the uh, star that was seen in its rising in the east by the uh, magi that they followed. Um, you know, or you can maybe a little child uh, just thinks of twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. And and maybe the star looks down and, and, tr- and wonders what. The little child is but again it's, it this is just uh, sort of a scenario of a for a little child and 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 the wonderful thing is as we sing it, we become the little children that uh, see the stars looking down at us and and even scripture says that the angels long into uh, knowing uh, all of the um, wonders that God has prepared for those who love him because you know there is no greater honor that any uh, creature or creation has been paid in the universe, is for the true and eternal God uh, to become a a member of of the human race.
0: Well, let's uh, move on to the next stanza, if you're ready, Uh, stanza two. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I love thee, Lord Jesus, look down from the sky. And stay by my cradle till morning is nigh. So the cattle are lowing, baby wakes up, Jesus wakes up, but he doesn't make any crying. Now, I've heard uh, I've heard some criticism of that verse because it almost suggests that you know Jesus wouldn't cry. Of course, he would cry because he's human. But what do you make of that language?
1: well it, it, at that time uh, as as um the uh, hymnal companion mentions they they also mention uh, the the hymn once in royal david's city where where uh, in that particular stanza it says, "Christian children all must be mild, obedient, good as he, and at the beginning of stanza four of that hymn uh, for he is our childhood's pattern so so it's kind of like a uh, you know maybe moralistic kind of a, a uh, an outlook in in a uh, children's, uh, you know, Christmas lullaby where where, um, you know, Jesus is is without sin. And maybe a lot of people find uh, well crying infants annoying. But, um, you know, it, uh, it you know, I, I think like it's rightly criticized that that's that's a little bit what we would call pietistic.
0: Yeah, I think it could be. But, you know, I I also find that especially pastors we just it's an occupational hazard but anybody who's really serious about you know precise language and precise theology sometimes we really get hung up on things that maybe we don't have any reason to get hung up on i think the no crying he makes is one of them but you're absolutely right in saying that if if we're trying to suggest that jesus you know was this perfect child in the sense that he never even cried i think that's going a step too far because in his humanity jesus cried he he worried. He 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 cried as an adult. Why wouldn't he cry as a child? Uh, but at the same time, that's just to emphasize his humanity, not to say that he's somehow sinful. So I'm certain that as a child, he would have been different than ordinary children being sinless, but no less human, of course.
1: And, and um, obviously, um Anyone but Jesus is a sinner. So perhaps uh, the reason for crying, and you know, and, and and I think, of course, let's not be so hard on the little ones. I mean, they <laughs> they they're, they're just they just tug at our heartstrings, and 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 when they cry, we we just feel so sad for them. Uh, sometimes they're just they're just tired, or they're scared, or whatever, and they just need to be held and rocked and loved. And and but I but I guess the thing is, is definitely our Lord Jesus cried. Although uh, you know it might be nice to have a passage in Scripture that say he laughed, um, of course, but you see the reason why that isn't. Or, or it was the Gnostics that came up with the laughing Jesus. But um, anyway, uh, he. Uh, it just shows, of course, that 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 he is sinless, perhaps uh, that that he and he is a well behaved even as as a an infant. But I'm sure there were times that uh, since since uh, he was in a state of humiliation where he did not always and fully use his divine nature, he was hungry and he wanted mom to feed him.
0: And for folks at home, if you're like, OK, why why even pick up on this idea of no crying he makes? Well, the other concern is that there was an old and ancient heresy called docetism, and docetism or docetism incorrectly believed that Jesus only seemed human and was really just purely divine, almost like uh, he just appeared human but really had no human characteristics, obviously a heresy, obviously a, a sinful position. So, you know, it makes us worried when we when we encounter things, we want to make sure that we're confessing rightly. Uh, But at the same time, little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. uh, What benefit would there to be to say, but little Lord Jesus woke up and he cried a lot and Mary didn't get any sleep and, you know, happy Christmas. Right. So there has to be a poetic (laughs) license to say, well, we're going to put a good spin on it, like you were saying earlier.
1: Yeah. And and, uh, maybe maybe he he liked the the cows mooing. And, uh, you know, I I can just I can just imagine the 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 scuttlebutt that went on in that in that stable where where there were cows and and, and maybe other animals and and, uh, children love animals.
0: Well, I was going to say, we talked about that a little bit. We talk about Silent Night, Holy Night or when we. We'll talk about it. Or have we? I can't even remember now. But in any case, the cattle are lowing the baby awakes. They, We might argue, well, there's no, there's assumption that there were cattle present. We don't have any biblical text that says there's cattle present. Uh, well, yeah. So sometimes you just have to go with it. Don't, don't get too hung up on it. The third little line in this stanza is, I love you, Lord Jesus. Look down from the sky and then stay by my side till morning is nigh. So this idea that Jesus is looking down from the sky, well, theologically speaking, that might not be perfect either. But again, we're, we're, we're approaching people from where they are. And in this case, children, right? We, Jesus didn't go around and correct everyone's theology and no one's going to be saved by having perfect theology. But this is it's reaching kids in a way that they can be reached. Uh, so, yeah, to them, Jesus is looking down from the sky.
1: Yeah, and, and, um, you know, he ascended into heaven, um, uh, you know, I mean, and, and many hymns use that, um, uh, you know, from the sky or no, I mean, you know, also like no angel in the sky can fully bear that sight, or um, all the angels in the sky. Of course, there you, there, you're kind of going back to when they appeared to the shepherds on the, on the fields of Bethlehem uh, with their sheep. You know, it says that the, that the whole, the, the a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God were in the sky, you might say, it doesn't say in the sky, but it was, they were there and they were, they were, uh, Praising God.
0: Indeed. Well, I'll tell you what, we haven't quite finished this. We'll finish up this verse when we get back from our break. So folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to give away that two-volume set of books, compliments of CPH, and we're also going to keep on going with our hymn, um, which is A Way in a Manger. We'll see you folks on the other side. Welcome back, friends. I'm Pastor Phil Boo, your host, and with me this morning is the Reverend David Boisclair. He's the senior pastor at Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Overland, Missouri. And before we head back to the hymn, I just want to remind you again that if you have any questions, feedback, comments, or complaints, you can reach out to me. Email me at PastorBoo at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook, or you can call into the studio It's going to be an important number, 1-800-730-2727. Any of these methods can get your question or your comment out on the air. And if you're waiting to call in to win the two-volume set of Eternal Anthems provided generously by CPH, then call in now to 800-730-2727. And once we have a winner, we'll bring them on the air. We'll talk a little bit. But for now, brother, let's get back to our text. So I want to finish up this second stanza. We didn't get to the very last line. Not that there's a whole lot to it, but it's worth looking at. So I love you, Lord Jesus. Look down from the sky, right? So Jesus ascended. He's in heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of God. Um, So for children especially, it's just him looking down on us. But then, and stay by my side until morning is nigh. Now this echoes that promise of Jesus to be with his disciples always at least that's the first thing I thought of, but stay by my side until
1: morning is nigh. What do you make of that? Stay by my cradle um the the thing is is I guess I looked at it. I just imagined myself as being a baby in a cradle i i, oh, sure. I on, uh, on you know somewhat uh, unusually, I have remembrances of when I was lying in a cradle and my parents were looking over over me so you know I don't know maybe there are some some of us who have have little vignettes of of memory from the time that we were infants or I probably wasn't an infant I was probably a toddler at the time but I know I was in my cradle and and I think the, the the point of it means is as our Lord Jesus tells us that unless you be converted and become as little children you cannot enter the kingdom of God and and so it I think I like thinking of myself as one of uh, Jesus's little lambs, his little, mm. his little uh, baby in a cradle. I, I just love thinking that I sleep in a cradle.
2: <laughs> and
1: he's looking down at me.
0: <laughs> well, you know, and crib, cradle, that was the original language. In fact, this is one line that has a ton of variants, funny enough. Uh, let's look at it real quick. Uh, so back in 1882, it was, and stay by my crib watching my lullaby. And then and stay by my crib to watch lullaby Siemens magazine 1883 and stay by my cradle to watch lullaby in 1887 and watch me watch by me always and ever be nigh 1890 and stay by my cradle till morning is nigh 1891 and watch o'er my bed while I slumber while in slumber I lie. I guess that's the mm-hmm. only one that's kind of a little adult. And watch over my bed while in slumber I lie, 1893. And then finally, and stay by my side until morning is nine. That's the most uh, latest, 1905. As you rightly pointed out, we have the cradle language in our Lutheran service book. And I like the cradle crib language. Not only does it seem to be older, but at the same time, um, at the same time, it. uh it also connects with the kids you know it's older that's always good but it connects with the kids cuz i see this as a kids song not that we can't sing it though right
1: oh absolutely and and i think the the wonderful thing is that jesus used to lay lie in a crib in our you know a, a baby a baby bed <laughs> and and uh, so he knows what he he knows what we're going through and and uh that's so important i think you mentioned you mentioned docetism the belief that he seemed like a human being but it wasn't um, you know there was also the heretic eutychus who his big hang up was he could say that that uh, jesus was consubstantial or of one substance with god or the father but he was not of one substance with us and and that that was his big mistake and and he he certainly understands what it's like to be human. He was he went through he went through it all.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, I want to take a pause in the action because we have a winner for our two volume set of Eternal Anthems by CPH, a story behind your favorite hymns. And I'm excited to have uh, bringing on the show John Stiles from Holly Hill, Florida. Uh, good morning, Mr. Stiles. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. Well, good morning. Thank you. Well, I am so grateful that you are a listener and that you've called in for this volume. It's yours. Uh, CPH and our producers will manage to get it to you. Uh, but while I have you on the line, I pray that your Advent's going well. I hope Christmas is going well. I've been yeah. asking everybody, I might as well ask you, do you have a favorite Christmas or Advent hymn?
2: O oh, Come oh Ye Faithful. It actually is one of my favorites. And you mentioned that earlier. And, and that's one of my favorites.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely love that. That's one of my, uh, I also like, um, uh, angels we've heard on high, there's all kinds of great ones, but Oh Come All Ye Faithful is this call for people to come to Christ. Well, I'm so glad that you called. Tell us a little bit about yourself if you don't mind.
2: Oh gosh. Uh, well, I, I, I've been living here in Florida since the eighties. So this is my home now and uh, I'm a real estate agent here and, uh, I go to Trinity Lutheran church here in Holly Hill and, um, I I love the church and I I love God and and I really love the hymns. That's why I'm listening to this episode right now. Actually, um, each each Sunday I look them up beforehand and try to learn something about them. So I thought this was just a great idea. And I I never win things, so I'm just kind of thrilled to to, to win this. Oh, excellent. Well, I'm
0: so glad that you've been listening. I'm glad that you've enjoyed the show, and I'm glad that you, well, that you won this set. Uh, who is the pastor there at uh, at your congregation?
2: Well, right now we have an interim pastor, Pastor Sizemore, retired, and fortunately we have Pastor Moore, who's uh, a retired pastor who is gracious enough to step in as an interim pastor, and hopefully this coming year we'll have our, our new full-time pastor here. Oh, wonderful! Blessing is our pastor.
0: Well, blessings on that call process, and blessings on uh, the Reverend Doctor Jeffrey Moore's um, interim service to you. Well, brother, we're going to let you go and get back to the text, but I'm congratulations, and I uh, thanks for listening.
2: Thank you very much. Thank and you for what brother. you're doing. Okay. Thank All you. right. Bye bye.
0: All right. Well, that's excellent. I'm so glad. By the way, if you're like, man, I really wish I could have gotten that. There's going to be another chance, but not on the air through social media. So be sure to like and subscribe to the uh, the Facebook page for KFUO Radio, uh, our YouTube channel. But uh, all the other places. I think we're on Twitter too. I don't know. So I should I should get all those places so I can announce them later. But in any case, here we go back to our text because that's why you're here. And we're talking about a way in a manger. Brother, are you ready to move on to that third stanza?
1: Oh, absolutely. I just wanted to say, though, um, what's beautiful about the second stanza is that the, the child confesses that he or she loves Jesus, oh, and that yeah. that's what Jesus that's what Jesus just delights in. And you and you're you're reminded of um, the uh, text in Mark where they were bringing uh, children to him, and then of course uh, Luke reminds us that they were infants. And uh, when and then his disciples, of course, uh, uh, you know, scolded uh, those who brought the children, and and it says he was indignant. That's that's that doesn't seem to be strong enough a. Word. word. He was very mad at them. Man, he says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for of such is the kingdom of God.
0: Well, and that same sort of theme continues into the next one when he says, when the child speaking through the hymn says, be near me, Lord Jesus, I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and take us to heaven to live with thee there so you're right he's confessing this this love for jesus i love thee lord jesus and then it doesn't just stop at the cradle doesn't just stop at baptism doesn't just stop you know when they're kids it, it continues be near me lord jesus i ask you to stay close by forever isn't that what we want and isn't that what jesus has promised
1: exactly i behold i will be with you every day you know and um, always uh, but you know it's like he he uh, wants us to uh, um, observe all everything that he has commanded us and and he will be with us every single day until the uh, consummation the end of the world and and uh, this this is a perfect uh, evening prayer, just like now I lay me down to sleep uh, where it where it says, "Be near me, lord jesus. it's it's uh, I think it's a perfect prayer for a little child to pray before they go to bed.
0: Oh, it really is. And this is another section of text, as you mentioned earlier in the program that was erroneously, maybe on purpose, attributed to uh, to Martin Luther. but it didn't even show up in the first known appearances. In fact, it didn't show up until 1892 in a in a, in a book called uh, Gabriel's Vineyard Songs. So this little part of it is not a part of the original, but it flows really well. It kind of it's almost like uh, the end of Mark, right, where the, the scribes seem to finish up the story and they finish up the thoughts here in a way in a manger by not just leaving it at the cradle. But pointing forward to the fact that Christ promises to be with his children always or God promises to be with his children. And I say it like that because that is what Jesus does for us. He makes us children of the father, which it was so scandalous for Jesus himself to call God his father. And yet now all those who have faith, hope and trust in Jesus can call God their father. And so. Yeah, we we are all the children of God in this hymn. So we've been talking about it being a children's hymn, but we're children
1: exactly I, I like the emendation that kind of came through time i think when when it was first uh, com, uh when it was first written uh it said and and fit us for heaven to live with thee there um i you know may, yes uh, by the holy spirit he fits us for heaven but that you know that it's better to uh maybe uh, put put us in the uh, passive and that he takes us To heaven, and and so I I think that's that's uh, you know more in keeping with one being an infant. You know the wonder is is that Jesus, uh, as as God the Son, allowed himself to to be handled and to be to be born and to. To be um, uh, uh, raised, reared as a child, and 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 what what a, a tremendous humility that he provides for us in in that, and and, and of course also an example. Oh,
0: absolutely! I, you know, and some of the language here, we could also do what we did when we talked about the lowing of the animals or the crying of Jesus. You can overanalyze things, and and people sometimes do. So the the phrase, bless all the dear children in thy tender care and take us to heaven to live with thee there, well, bless all the dear children. Now, some, and as I was doing a little research for this, I I saw a lot of folks, our Arminian (laughs) friends, who say, well, this is uh, suggesting that uh, children are all saved, right? All the children will be blessed. All the children are automatically in their care until they reach an age of accountability. That's not what the Bible says. So how can we better understand this instead of thinking of it as all children are saved, but rather what does it mean that God blesses all the dear children in his care?
1: yes i i i can see and that's a very serious problem because that is a terrible error that 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 uh you're teaching a salvation by works when you say that uh children or or infants or in children before they reach the age of accountability are are innocent uh if they were innocent then they wouldn't be subject to death uh you know i mean you you uh, uh, a infant or a a unborn human being is subject to death and if they are that means they are not uh sinless only jesus was sinless of course he also subjected himself to death but he didn't have to die if he didn't want to he wanted to because he died to take away our sins but i i think that's that 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 is a very important point to to um uh, present present to us. I'm 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 guess uh, maybe uh, you know if you look at it maybe sort of innocently the song innocently you would probably look at look at it through the biblical uh, spectacles that we have.
0: Right, exactly. Of course, you know we consider all things according to the scriptures. You don't take anything, um, just one stanza, and make doctrine on it. And you certainly don't do it to a human written. Hymn, I, and, and I see that a lot where what people know about the scriptures comes from movie TVs, even hymns, which is also why it's very important that while we don't want to overanalyze hymns, especially if they're children's hymns, we also don't want to be lackadaisical about what we include in our hymnals. And, and that's another kind of undercurrent that we've been, been hinting at as we've been going through these hymns that they need to be theologically
1: appropriate. They need
0: to teach something right. And for the audience of this hymn, this one does a good job.
1: Well, I, I I think so too. I I think it's a like I said, this third stanza is it would be a beautiful bedtime prayer for a child. I mean, I, I basically I'd always did, and now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Bless mommy and daddy and all everybody. <laughs> yes. yeah, and, and and uh but in this in this particular case, it really fosters a a um a nearness a an intimacy between the child and Jesus that mm-hmm. that Jesus just loves the child and that he is he is lovable and he makes uh, he by his blood and righteousness makes the child lovable as well and through baptism
0: and then of course it ends with and take us to heaven to live with thee there um, you know, we, we could make it right by saying, take us to the new heavens and the new earth, which you'll usher in at the end of time after Judgment Day, to live with thee there. But that's a little cumbersome. So we'll just say, take us to heaven to live with thee there. Uh, certainly the goal and the hope of all those who put their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, including children. See, and that's what's interesting about that interpretation. Well, if children can't have faith, then this hymn isn't very useful to those who believe that children can't, believe. And yet, here we are singing about a child, both literally and, of course, all those who are children of the Father, uh, of having faith. So faith is something that God gives us. And I see that in this hymn, too. It's very passive. You know, yes, there's the request, be near me, Lord Jesus, but it's not a demand. It's not a command. It's not a, you know, uh, calling down heaven into your life or calling down blessings. It is an appeal to God and his mercy to be with us and that's what we look forward to
1: yes and 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 you can kind of see the little child maybe sometimes being frightened and coming into his uh, his or her parents room and say can I sleep with you mommy and daddy I want to be near you Mm. or you know I mean it it, it, it's just so touching and and obviously you know it because uh, he loves us he he delights for us to uh, turn to him and, and ask him to be with us, in, in this in this way, just as a loving mother or father would would just uh, kind of pull the the covers down and say, "Come on, and 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 sleep with mom or dad, and and uh, you don't have to be afraid." It it, it is that same type of of uh, close intimacy and love that uh, is fostered through this.
0: So. We talked earlier about the, the musical settings that these are set to. Uh, anything else before I move into talking about that just a little bit?
1: Um well yes um I think that that our you know in in our circles you know uh, in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod or in Lutheran circles we we try to be a little bit different from from the uh the way the you know the trend or the the uh, popular trend but um they also saw the beauty of of the uh, fam- more familiar tune uh, which which was known as Mueller or as uh, a way in a manger uh, in in uh, Lutheran service book uh, and 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 that when you know so so but it, but it's rather interesting that uh, you know the other the other two tunes are, are perfectly fine too.
0: right. so let's look at these tunes. Now, we talked earlier, Mueller or Miller, miller, uh, m u e l l e r. This is the most popular tune, I believe, in the United States, the one that most people are going to uh, think of when they think of away in a manger, away in a manger, no crib for, a, you know, that idea. So, so this, right, right. this Miller term, but both of them are in our hymnal. We have the cradle song in our hymnal too, and I have to admit that I had never heard away in a manger to the cradle song mostly because I don't live in Britain, Ireland and Canada, and also because I hadn't been Lutheran because in until I joined the Lutheran church, I heard the the cradle song version. And that one's the one that goes away in a manger, no crib for a bed. Oh, I'm a terrible singer, but you get it. So so it's it's different. Um, do you have a favorite? Do you do you like one of those over the other?
1: I, I guess I, I I like I prefer the more uh, the American popular one uh, because it 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 more lends itself to being a, a lullaby or a, or a uh, you know, a child's song, and it, it, it's, it, it has a beautiful, there, there, you know, it, it sort of starts as it's starting above, you know, away in a manger, you know, it sort of comes down. So so Jesus is coming down to the little children and, and uh, in their minds as they think of him as, as uh, their loving Savior.
0: Well, it is a beautiful hymn. And I I think we might have exhausted it. We have a few minutes left in the program, but it's a short one, but certainly one that I know that everybody will be singing this Christmas tide, either at their Christmas Eve services, or remember, there's a couple of Christmas services even after Christmas Day. So uh, plenty of opportunities to sing these beautiful hymns. Um, Anything else you want to add to the conversation as we as we try to stretch it out just a little bit longer, our time is just uh, is, is rapidly uh, going away, but not fast enough. We have a little bit more time.
2: I just
1: love uh, the translation of uh, another hymn, which kind of expresses that about the lullaby. Uh, it's, uh, we praise, O Christ, your holy name. The stanza that goes, the virgin mother lulls to sleep, him who rules the cosmic deep. This infant is the Lord of day whom all the turning worlds obey, that this same, you know, little child right from his manger is is the one that has the whole world in his hand, you might say. And so pictured so beautifully in the film, um, A Greatest Story Ever Told, they have a child cooing and they have an infant hand holding the sun, because that same little baby is the eternal Lord of all.
0: It is something that I think is extremely difficult for us to get our minds around, that Christ comes, our Savior, our Lord, our God, descends to us in human flesh, and he submits not just to being born, which the ancients saw as the beginning of his suffering, but also to be submissive to his mother and his earthly guardian, to be a little helpless child who – he created the whole universe, but he can't change his own diapers – uh, so he he really does come all in into this world, to grow up and wisdom and stature as the Bible says to be one of us. I think still today, that's one of the biggest hurdles, the biggest scandals to people's uh, belief that they they set up this this wall that says that doesn't make sense. Uh, but it really does when we look back in in context of what the Bible had taught us, what the prophets had foretold that Christ came and he he didn't do it just to for the heck of it but he did it because now now we have a high priest who's not unsympathetic with our weaknesses because he endured what we endured but it's still it's it's hard to get our minds around the creator of the universe laying in a manger of hay that first christmas day
1: and and uh, Luther said it so well when he said there's three miracles god became man a virgin bore a child and the human heart can believe it. And and uh, as, as you, you mentioned, you know, the world is only too ready to say, that just doesn't make sense, it's all nonsense. But uh, the wisdom, or rather the foolishness of God, is wiser than men.
0: Oh, I think that's a great way to go ahead and end our program. It's a few minutes early, but folks, I've been so grateful to have you guys. Congratulations once again to uh, John Stiles, who won our uh, one and two volume set of Eternal Anthems, Compliments of CPH. And thanks to our guest, the Reverend David Boisclair. He's the senior pastor at Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Overland, Missouri. And I'll do my best to remember that for the future. Thank you, Pastor, for being on the show.
1: It's just been a a great joy and may the good Lord bless and keep you and your family and your congregation in his tender care until he takes us all to heaven. Thank
0: you, brother. All right, folks. Well, when we come back on Monday, well, it's going to be a Unitarian hymn. I know you're surprised. I was surprised. It seems odd to have a Unitarian hymn and a Lutheran hymnal. Well, This hymn that we're going to discuss was penned by a Unitarian pastor, but neither the pastor himself, as history shows, nor the lyrics he wrote, were very Unitarian. That is, we're turning to LSB 366. It came upon the midnight clear. We're going to explore the history and the meaning behind this hymn, so please join us on Monday. Listen and find out why our hymnals are filled with hymns from many different traditions. All right, folks, that's going to be it. So we're wrapping it up until Monday. I pray that you have a continued blessed Advent and may God's peace and blessings be with you all as we pray. Father, keep us in thy strong word.